Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ricky and praise team for leading us that time of worship. Um, I'll tell you what, man of many talents, I'm not giving you any praise here, Ricky. God is deserving of it all, but he has certainly blessed you and uh, all of our praise team. Thank you so much. But what a, what a, what a talent just to some, hear somebody who can actually play that thing there. <clears throat> I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and tell you, organ players are a dying breed, so um, we, we greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much. If you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Matthew, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. We begin reading in verse 18 in just a moment, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to kind of continue our thought from where we left off last Sunday. Last Sunday, we kind of spent some time in God's words, primarily in the book of Isaiah, seeing how indeed the Lord Jesus Christ was the promised gift that God had intended from all along. And, and we're going to continue to see how this is just how, how where, where God has continued to show up and move in the life of his people and, and unfolding this promise. So, that, so this morning we're really going to give attention to this promised Messiah and, and then the so what? What does that mean for us today? A few years ago we were riding along and I saw, I saw a billboard that had a question on it that really, or honestly, it kind of bothered me for a little bit. I was kind of puzzled by it question on the billboard said, what if Jesus had never been born? Now, I know that they were trying to get people's attention, right? You see those billboards, even, even religious billboards at times. And, but that was just, it was just one big giant question on this huge billboard on the side of the interstate. What if Jesus had never been born? Now, I, I knew what the immediate answer would be, right? I'm a, I'm a preacher. I, I, I knew that what they were trying to get at, I'm, I'm assuming by the question was that was that as the preacher in me, I'd say, well, I, I know what the answer would be. We'd be lost in our sins, eternally condemned. Having no hope in this life or even in a life hereafter. That if Jesus had never been born, we'd be in a whole lot of trouble. As I continue to think about that question, it continued to bother me. It continued just to, to eat at me. As I thought about the question, what if Jesus had never been born, I, I really began to think, you know, really, it's, it's like saying, what if God never had a plan? What if God, what if God never really had a plan? What if, what if God still doesn't have a plan? What if God is, has created this world, has spun it in motion, and then backed off and said, I'll see you later. Good luck with that. Now, I know, honestly, sometimes you say, well, that's exactly how it feels. That's what this world feels like. With all the, the, the chaos, all of the evil, all of the wickedness, that's where those questions of the problem of evil come in. I mean, if, if God was so loving, if God was so merciful, if God was so, was so great and mighty, then, then why is all of there, why is all there this suffering? Why is there illness? Why is there death? Well, look, I mean, we could, we could have a very long conversation on all that. We understand that all this is a reality in the world that we live in because of the sin that you and I are responsible for, right? But, but then what does it look like and how does that work? There's a, there's a long conversation that we could have towards, those, towards that end. But with that in mind, there are still those who argue. Well, that's just evidence that, that even if there is a God, Many would argue there's not. But even if there is a God, what he's done is, is he's just set the world in motion and he's just stepped back and said, I'll see you later. 
You're just going to end up wherever you take yourself. This morning I want us to consider the truth that's in the Bible. That God indeed has had a plan and God still has a plan all along. That God has a promised Messiah who has come and is coming. And the reality of that fact changes everything about our lives. Did you hear me? The Bible teaches us that God indeed has a plan. And because of that very fact, everything about our lives should be radically different. Every aspect of our lives. Matthew chapter 1, let's begin reading in verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. You've got to understand the context here. The way engagement and marriage was done then, a lot different from the way it was now, the way it is now. Engagement in all practical purposes was almost as if they were already married. But there were certain things that were not allowed during that engagement period. But it was a legal contract in a sense. So it's very different from the way we do it now. But he was going to, even if they were just engaged, he was just going to separate from her because she was pregnant. And he knew he wasn't the father. Verse 20, but after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and will give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did this. He did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask that as we dig into your word this morning, that you would open up our minds, our eyes, and our hearts to the reality that you always have and still have a plan. A plan to bring salvation to wicked men and women. A plan to, to pay a price that we could not pay for ourselves. Lord, you have always had a plan to restore a broken relationship with mankind whom you created in your image. Lord, help us to remember that the sending of Jesus wasn't the fulfillment and completion of that plan. Lord, help us to realize how we now as your people fit into this very plan with the promise that you are going to continue to use us for your glory and yours alone. Lord, speak to our hearts. Do business with us this morning. And may we humbly submit ourselves to you with all that we have. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. 
our Savior, Lord. Amen. Two truths in this passage, really, that I want us to focus on this morning. The first one is this truth that just there's the reality of the promised Messiah. There is this promised Messiah, and we have to set that foundation first to, to understand that the next truth we're going to see, that there's, the, there's still the Messiah's promise. So this promised Messiah, we pick up in verse 22. Look at it again. It says, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, I feel certain that most of the people, at least in this room, right? Most of you are probably very familiar with the Christmas story. But, but there's maybe some here who still struggle with where the Christmas story actually begins. You see, the Christmas story doesn't begin with a little baby Jesus sitting in a manger in the middle of this town called Bethlehem. Now, I know that's what we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas. There's, there's that impact, right? There's obviously where God began to put the next step of his plan in motion, where, where he sent Jesus, born of a virgin, who, yes, indeed, was placed in a manger in Bethlehem. But, but that's not the beginning of the Christmas story. We saw last week, and so we're not going to spend much time in Isaiah this time, other than one more passage that we didn't look at. But we did see this verse last week. We actually see in the old, actually all throughout the Old Testament, beginning in Genesis, but, but especially here in Isaiah, we see, we see where God begins to open up this reality to the plan that he has had set in motion all along. You'll see it on the screen. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. Now that's obviously the exact, the exact verse that Matthew was quoting here. What Matthew was doing is he was pointing, he was pointing the, the children of Israel, he was pointing all of these people who were hearing the truth of the gospel in Matthew, the, the gospel of Matthew, he was pointing to the reality that, look, God has always had a plan. God has continued to, to promise from Genesis chapter 3, and he's brought us to this point where God has continued to promise. And as he's promising, he's unfolding the truth of what we studied last week, that Jesus Christ is the promised gift that comes from the seed of David. This Davidic promise, this Davidic covenant that one day there would come a king who would reign on David's throne forever and ever. And his name is Jesus. Matthew here is pointing back to this reality that this promised Messiah, born of a virgin, was spoken of about, about 740 years before it actually happened in Matthew chapter 1. I mean, you just take the time to read through Isaiah and you see the reality of how this was expressed 740 years before it happened. And there's still some who read it and say, well, that's just, you know, beautiful language and literature. How, how could this not be the pointing to the reality and the fact of who Jesus is? This promised Messiah. Was, was to be named Jesus. Now, literally, if you read it in the original language, it sounds more like Yeshua. So we, I know we sometimes say Jesus, but in reality, they might have been called closer to what we say today as Joshua. I'm not trying to mess with your mind here. It's Yeshua. We say it Jesus. But, but Jesus was a very common name. 
That, that's, that's not what was the, the attention grabber. Yes, the word, the name Jesus literally means that Jehovah is salvation, a beautiful name. But because it was so common, it, it was just drawing attention to the fact again to who Jehovah is. But this Jesus, this Yeshua, this Yeshua also has another name. The prophet Isaiah spoke to it. The angel spoke to David. This Yeshua will be named Emmanuel. So what is he saying? Jehovah is salvation. And this very God, our God, is now dwelling with us. Yeshua, Emmanuel, this Jesus who brings salvation is the very God that we love and worship, and he's now amongst us today. It's a beautiful, a beautiful name, a beautiful fact, a beautiful truth to who Jesus is. Matthew chapter 1, Joseph was told that, that the one who had been conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit was indeed the divine Messiah. This promised Messiah was the one who would bring salvation. Look at it again, verse 21. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jehovah is salvation. But because, because this Jesus, this Yeshua, because of who he is, he will bring salvation. This is the one who will save his people because he is God himself. So why is all this important? Well, obviously, right? We see what the scriptures are screaming to us, that Jesus is the Messiah that God, hear me church, come in here real close, that God had planned to send all along. There's not some God out there who created the world and spoke it into existence. There's not some God out there who, who just began to put some atoms together and then let evolution take over. There's not some God out there who just began to haphazardly bring, bring all this matter together and set it in motion and then say, all right, I'm done. There's only one God. He's our God. He's God the Father, who ultimately was revealed in God the Son, who still dwells in us today, and God the Holy Spirit. There's one God. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. And it is this God who came and walked among us. It is this God who came and ultimately took our place on a cross. Charles Wesley, he understood this truth very well when he wrote the Christmas hymn that we started with this morning. Hark the herald angels sing. I think it was the verse that Noah kind of emphasized there for us. That second stanza of the hymn. Just beautiful words. And again, just the reality of, of, where, of where Wesley understood this very fact of who Jesus is. Even in Matthew chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 7. The words of that stanza is Christ by, by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come. Offspring of the virgin's womb. 
veiled in flesh. Listen, church, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to well to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh who came to this earth to dwell among wicked men and women. And he did it because it was God's plan. He is the promised Messiah. That then leads us to the second truth that actually we see here in this passage that not only is Jesus Christ the promised Messiah, but we see here that indeed he is actually the Messiah's promise. You see in Isaiah chapter 53, in Isaiah chapter 53, you go back and you see where God has always had a plan. You'll find these verses on the screen. In Isaiah chapter 53, begin reading in, in verse 7. It says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of the oppression and judgment, and was considered and what was considered his fate. For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and, but he was with a rich man at his death because he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. Church, this is, again, written or nearly 800 years before it happened, but very vivid imagery of, of the death and the, the burial of Jesus Christ. Pick up in verse 10. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him. Wait a minute. Isaiah. You just said that he was without fault. You just said that he had done no violence. You just said that he had never spoken deceitfully. You just said that he was the perfect spotless lamb. What is going on, Isaiah? The Lord was pleased to crush him. Jesus Christ, our Emmanuel, our God with us, God in the flesh, God incarnate. God is a part of the, of the, of the Godhead, of the, of the Trinity. God, what, what is going on here? The Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When you make him a guilt offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days. And by his hand, the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. What do you mean by that, Isaiah? God's ultimate plan will be fulfilled. Verse 11, after his anguish, he will see light and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will carry their iniquities. You mean this, this one who's dying for the sake of us, he's going to carry our own sins, our own iniquities? Yes. Verse 12, therefore I will give him the many as a portion. And he will receive the mighty as a spoil. Because he willingly submitted himself to death. Because he allowed himself to be crucified. Because he was willing to die for you and me. And was counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the sin of many 
and interceded for those rebels. Look, church, understand that God has always had a plan. Yes, indeed, he set the world in motion and he still holds it in the palm of his hand. He still sees every one of us. He still knows us by name. You say, if God really knows me, then he'd have nothing to do with me. Well, praise God, the rest of the gospel is that even while he saw us, even though he knows us, even though he realizes how wicked you and I truly are, even though he realizes how bad we can still be, God proved his love towards us in this, that while we were still those sinners, Christ died for us. You realize that God has always had a plan. He set it in motion through the promised Messiah. But now we'll see there's this Messiah's promise. Now we're going to shift gears just for a moment. I don't, I don't do this often, but, but you need to understand why I do this. Because sometimes you have to read, a, I mean, you always have to read the Bible and lie to the Bible. But, but sometimes in a passage like this, you've got to remember where Matthew chapter 1 has taken us. Flip to the last chapter of Matthew. To, to understand where Matthew 1 is ultimately leading us, Matthew chapter 1 is leading us to the reality of a, of a great promise, a continued promise at the end of the book. In Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20, listen to what it says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember... I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Remember, I am Emmanuel. You get it? You see what's happening here, right, church? The promised Messiah realized in, the, in, in, in Matthew chapter 1, we, we see that, that it, is a, it is a continuous promise. That he is Emmanuel. Even today, he's God with us. In Isaiah chapter 7 and, and verse 14 and Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, they say the, the same exact thing. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This promise of God being with us through Christ. Again, as we saw briefly last week, it begins in, in Genesis it's emphasized in Isaiah. It's realized in Matthew chapter 1. And now it's continued in Matthew chapter 28. Sometimes to get the full grasp of what God is doing, you have to read the whole story. You have to see how it continues to unfold this very promise of who Jesus is. And now the promise that he gives to us as his people. So why is all this important? Then, yeah, thank you. I'm glad I heard. Thank you for asking. Why is all this important? Why does it matter? You do realize that you and I are now a part of God's big plan. Just think about that for one second. Let the reality of those words sink in. God who spoke, and bang! Did I scare you? It happened. We jokingly say, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God spoke, and bang, it happened. 
God spoke and Christ was there speaking the words and the very things that he spoke came into existence. All of creation. He spoke and there it was. And out of all creation, eventually he spoke and breathed into some dust and and created mankind. He created us in his image. Male, female, red, yellow, black, and white. He created all of mankind. Having no segregation amongst. He created all mankind in his image. And set the world in motion. And never once took his hand off the wheel. And from the very beginning of him speaking the world into existence, hear me, church, this is mind-boggling. He said, I've got a plan. And my plan is to restore a broken relationship with man, which at that point had not even been broken. But he knew that it was coming. I've got a plan to make all things right. And you can't take care of that plan by yourself. You can't handle it. There's no way you can do it. So I've got to step in for you. I've got to send myself. I've got to come and walk amongst you. I've got to be near you. I've got to hold your hand. I've got to walk with you. Church, Jesus Christ being the incarnate Godhead, part of the Trinity, came to this earth lived a life that you and I could not live, an absolutely perfect, sinless, spotless life, and ultimately went to a cross because of you and me. And get me, get get it, all along, God is sitting there saying, yep, I've got this. This is my plan. This is exactly what I intended to do. Jesus Christ was placed into a tomb. Three days later, he arose, spent some time walking amongst his disciples. That's why we know what we see here is true because there's no way that many people could fake a story like this. And so you just look at the reality of scripture and it's crying out that after a few days of Jesus walking with disciples, he ascended to the right hand of the father. And one of these days he's coming again, that continuous promise that we saw last week, that the Messiah has come and he's coming again. But listen to me, church, you say, why are we still focused on the promise because the promise of Jesus Christ coming again should only encourage us to remember the promise that we have today go therefore because I'm Emmanuel because I'm walking with you because I'm near you because I'm God in control of all things and because I have you in the palm of my hands go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit make sure you keep attention on the Godhead make sure you keep attention on what matters most teaching the deserve all that I've commanded you and just in case you're still worried Just in case you still fret, just in case you begin to forget, remember, remember, church, remember.
Jesus says, I'm Emmanuel. I'm with you. I'm walking with you. I've got you. You're mine. Nobody can take you away from me. No one can ever take my hands off the wheel. Nothing's ever going to happen that takes me by surprise. I am with you. And will be forever. So, go. And fulfill my plan. You see, God's always had a plan. And you and I still fit in it today. In just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to have time to respond. I'm going to ask Pastor Ricky and praise team, whoever's coming, just to come and prepare. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond. I'm going to ask each and every one of you to make a decision this morning. Do you hear me? I'm asking each and every one of you to make a decision this morning. Two choices. Realize the promised Messiah has come and is coming again and be saved. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, today is the day. Hear the simple truth of the gospel. The wages of sin is death. You and I deserve to be separated from God for all eternity. That's what we've earned. The wages of our sin is death. But the free, beautiful, precious gift of God is the promise and the reality of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you will confess your sins to before God, if you will repent, if you'll turn from those sins, and if you'll call out upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will realize that he indeed is the promised Messiah and give him your life, today you can be saved. If you've never done that, would you take a moment and just pray, ask God to do a work in your life? Will, will you cry out to Jesus Christ? For the rest of you, here's your option. If you've done that, you can't leave here without making a decision today. If you've never trusted in Jesus, today's the day. Trust in Him. If you've done that, hear me. Realize. Realize the Messiah's promise not just of the promised Messiah, but realize the Messiah's promise that, that he is always with us and commit yourself today to be about the great commission more than anything else. If you truly know that Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, God with us, and he's promised that I'm always gonna be with you, then will you make a commitment today to be about sharing the gospel from the neighborhoods to the nations. If you know that the creator and sustainer of all things, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, has sent an interceder on our behalf, and that when we give Jesus Christ our life, that, that a part of that Godhead, a part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. If that's you this morning, you do realize that you have a peace of Almighty God in your life. And He's given you all that you need.
He's given you all that you need. Will you today commit, commit yourself to see the great commission accomplished? That's yours and my choice. I'm going to ask you, if you will, just bow your heads and if you'll stand to your feet, I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. So if you'll just stand to your feet, bow your heads. I want to just lead us in a prayer. Pastor Ricky's going to lead us in a hymn, and I'll be here at the front. Pastors will be down here. If you'd like to come speak with us, we'll also have a room in the back that you can receive some counseling at the end of the service. If you're watching online, there'll be some numbers that you'll see on the screen in just a moment. We'd love to know how we can and we could reach out to you and counsel you during this time. Just remember this, church. This is all a part of God's plan. The promised Messiah and the Messiah's promise. It's all a part of God's plan. And he wants us to be a part of that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask that as we enter this time of commitment, the Lord, right now, you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we love you. We trust you. And we give you praise for all the things that you have done for us. Lord, I ask that right now, if there's anyone here this morning who's never trusted in Jesus Christ, that they've never realized that he indeed is the promised Messiah, that Lord, today would be the day that they fall on their faces before you, cry out upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeshua, the one who brings salvation, our Jehovah God who brings salvation. Lord, may they cry out to Jesus Christ. And they receive the promise of eternal life. Lord, for we who are here who already know Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to remember that there is a promise that you've made to us now. That though Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father, he is still with us through the promised Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us and that, Lord, you sent the Holy Spirit for one reason, and that's to... Lord, to encourage us as your people to be about fulfilling the Great Commission. So, Lord, may we remember the Messiah's promise that you have a plan that includes us and you want to use us for your glory. And may we commit ourselves to that plan. Lord, I ask that you would do work in us now. And I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord. Amen. As Pastor Ricky plays, sings, you come as the Lord leads.